get ready for the journey of a lifetime. Omega Metroid is excited to launch a new series exclusive to our Patreon channel, The Great Metroid Area Ranking. Our mission is simple. We are going to rank every single area in the Metroid series two at a time. Join us on our Patreon as we delve into all the different locales across this amazing series and get in on the action by helping dictate what areas we rank next. The Great Metroid Area Ranking is available to all Omega Metroid tier patrons. Join us on this incredible adventure and help us decide for the final time which Metroid area is the greatest of them all. OmegaMetroid.com's Patreon is the home to the Great Metroid Area Ranking, ROM Hack Reviews, The Spateri Show, and so much more. Consider signing up today and see you next mission. Hello everyone and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spateri and I am joined by no one this week. I'm sitting here by myself. Uh, we had uh, we had originally planned to deliver an episode which I was very much looking forward to, the definitive ranking of Metroid Other M. Yes, another Metroid Other M show. And um, we are going to do that next week, but unfortunately we had, uh, well, actually we had a couple things. We had a scheduling snafu on one end, and then um, unfortunately Dak is not feeling uh, super hot this week. So we decided to postpone that episode until next week. But uh, if you can hang tight, we are going to deliver the definitive ranking of Other M next week. And I think that's going to be a, a very fun episode with maybe a few spicy meatballs uh, thrown in there for good measure. Um, but instead of uh, instead of not publishing an episode this week, what we decided to do was reach into the Patreon vault and release an episode that I recorded last year for our Omega Metroid patrons. And um, this is an episode in a series called ROM Hack Reviews, which is available, by the way, to all of our Omega Metroid uh, patrons right now over on um, uh, our, our Patreon page. And um, this was a fun show. I got to, this is the second ROM Hack that I had ever played, and it, this one might be one of the best. Uh, spoiler alert, but it might be one of the best. So I, I had a really fun time kind of playing it, breaking it down, talking about what I liked, didn't like, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm I'm actually really excited that more people are going to get to hear this episode because even though it was a solo podcast episode that I did by myself, which is always kind of weird, uh, it was still a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I, I'm just excited for everyone to, to get to sink their teeth into it. So uh, with that being said, uh, enjoy this episode of ROM Hack Reviews covering the fantastic Metroid Rogue Dawn. And we will see everybody back here next week for the definitive ranking of Metroid Other M. And hey, if you if you like this show and you want to check out more ROM Hack reviews or a lot of the other bonus shows that we've got over on our Patreon page, consider signing up and uh, you know seeing what else we got over there and, and taking your membership and enjoyment of Omega Metroid to the next level. Uh, anyways, that's it for me for this week. We'll see everybody next week and uh, please enjoy. Until then, everybody, take care. What's up, Omega Metroid patrons, and welcome to the second episode of ROM Hack Reviews. Um, I will be reviewing the excellent, I might add, um, the excellent Metroid Rogue Dawn, which is a ROM hack of NES Troid. Um, but before I get there, I just wanted to uh, once again thank everybody for uh for their patronage and for subscribing and for checking us out and supporting us over on patreon.com um it really does mean a lot and um one cool thing that happened after last month where uh super duper metroid was the the first game that was on the docket for rom hack reviews is we actually got one of the creators uh daltone who signed up for patreon and uh was, was able to provide some some cool easter eggs such as uh 
Uh, you know, we, we briefly talked about last month the the one guy that was deep down in uh, the the lower depths of like the remix Norfair that said don't go into Torian with uh, without the Morph Ball. He actually told me that you can get into Torian without the Morph Ball, which seems like a crazy hard challenge. And um, and and also another little Easter egg that uh, the asteroid game at the beginning. Um, depending on uh, depending on if you shoot any boulders or, or not, it actually changes uh, where you land um, when you get to the planet Zebus. So um, there is a few other things. So lots of uh, lots of cool other Easter eggs with that, um, and we might follow up with that sometime in the future. Um, so just wanted to uh, you know thank thank Dalton and, and of course thank everyone else uh, for for the patronage, and we're gonna have a good time this uh, this month because this was. You know how last month I was saying that like Super Duper Metroid was was awesome, um, but I think that the way that I had described it was like you hear a song and then it's remixed, and that was kind of what Super Duper Metroid was like. So Metroid Rogue Dawn isn't a remix so much as like a better analogy would be like. Um, it's it's a cover of a song by a completely different artist in a completely different genre that takes like the foundation and the element the building blocks of of said song but like completely reimagines it because this is something completely different and before I get into talking about the game the areas and the the items and all that stuff I just like um Man, I just I gotta tip my hat again to these these creators that that make these games because it's just it's so I mean good God it's so like mind blowing to me that the you know like like that these games are this good and they're just made by by like people that aren't professional video game developers um, who very easily could be and they're just doing this because they love it so. I, this was my second ROM hack. I feel like I'm a little bit more, you know, uh, getting my feet on the ground in terms of what to expect and what to look out for. And and this was very impressive. This I, I, I do have some nitpicks here and there, but um, this is a very, very impressive ROM hack. And so I want to give a shout out to the authors of of Metroid Rogue Dawn. And, and they are Grimlock, Optimon and snarf blam i don't know if i got snarf blam's name right but uh, <laughs> the these these guys i mean uh and, and grimlock is actually someone that will be coming back to a couple times because he has a couple different metroid hacks so uh dude is obviously a legend but it, you know the whole team absolutely brought it and uh, made a really fantastic um metroid game uh so yeah this was released back uh back in 2017 which is actually kind of strange because i feel like I've been hearing about this game for like a long time, um, and of course, like you know, once we once once I started Omega Metroid the podcast, um, I got a little bit more involved in like the Metroid community and, and and the Metroid like scene, I guess if you will. But I I feel like even before that, like I feel like I had heard of Metroid Rogue Dawn. Um, so this this one was actually the one when I originally envision doing like a series that was that was focused on rom hacks and stuff like that um this was actually the one that i had in mind i was actually thinking of doing like a regular podcast episode about this way back when um so i'm glad that we finally get to cover um metroid rogue dawn because this is i don't know maybe not the granddaddy of them all i'm sure there's older ones and more more celebrated ones but to me this is always the one that i immediately thought of when I thought of like a Metroid ROM hack. Um, so that being said, let's get into the game. Um, and I think that the way that I, I start um, all of these games is just on like the borderline, like how does this look? How does this feel compared to the original? And um, so obviously this is a game that uh, uses the NES Troid engine and physics. And that's very important because it's uh the the physics like there's a certain way that you jump in in Nestroid that is very distinct and people kind of like to say that Super Metroid is a like a quote unquote floaty game I've seen that around a lot but nothing is as floaty as Nestroid so 
it uses it uses this engine here, um, and the pixel work is very very advanced. And actually, this game is a physical NES cartridge. I, I believe that there's physical NES cartridges out in the world, but um, the way that the the way that the pixels and and the graphics look, it actually reminded me more of like I would say like a Game Boy Color game almost at times rather than an NES game or like it, re it at least reminded me of like one of those NES games that was made in the late 90s that had like the very you know d d definitive and um and polished look to it. Um and of course obviously this is a you know a game made many 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 years after the NES's heyday so there is a lot of time to um you know to to optimize those assets and stuff like that. But the fact that this game looks as good as it does, I think, is a is a real achievement. And there's a lot of stuff in this game that um, it's it's like it's not stuff that I remember seeing in a lot of NES games at the time. Um, like for example, in in the original Nestroid game, there's a lot of like black empty space behind Samus and behind the you know the immediate tiles and platforms in front of you and that actually kind of adds to the aesthetic and there is that in this game as well but um what, what there also is is like a lot of detailed other parts of, of background and stuff like that and a lot of like moving things on the screen for example you'll get into um a couple areas here that that actually have like rain coming down and it, and it looks really spectacular and and off the top of my head i don't really recall a game on the nes that kind of had that that like always constantly moving presentation to it. I can think of like short cutscenes, but when it comes to actually like moving and playing and jumping, um, I, I can't quite picture a game on the NES like that. And, and admittedly, my my NES game knowledge is pretty low. It's it's probably the lowest of any major Nintendo console actually. But you know, still, I I just I can't think of anything. So I think that the game, the way that it's presented, the way that it runs. Um, it is extremely, extremely well done. And actually, one one thing about this game, which um, is also very impressive, is that there is never any slowdown, which is kind of cool. Because, like, you play the original Nestroid, and there's, like, always areas. Like, if there's too many enemies on the screen, you've got, you know, the game kind of grinds to a halt, and, and it takes a little bit. And it chortles, and it uh, chortles, and it's, it's a little bit slow. So there's none of that in this game, which is great. Um, the sprites for the actual characters and stuff like that look awesome i so i'm a big fan of justin bailey like the sprite of justin bailey and um your main character dawn is is basically the justin bailey sprite with like a few tweaks here and there um so the sprite work looks awesome there's like there's some super metroidy sprites in this game which we'll get to in a sec in fact the uh one of the first sprites that you'll actually see is a is a space pirate up in the space pirate ship and it's kind of been like de-resed to uh to be an nes sprite which is very very cool um so it's what i'm i guess what i'm driving at is like the physics of the game are familiar to any players that have played nes troid the graphics of the game and the performance of this game are undoubtedly superior um so it's kind of like the best of both worlds where it does have that like really old classic uh style of presentation and when i say old i, I don't mean like dated i mean it it looks like uh like a game of its time which was obviously the intention but uh it, it just it looks really good and um you know as we'll talk about here in a second uh another thing that really helps this game stand out as well is like all of the, the like the worlds the the areas the um a, a lot of it is just like original sprite work which which really does help it um you know kind of stick out as well um, one thing about this game, which is also a little bit more of a, uh, a modern tweak and, and it's a lot nicer, is that um, while while it's still, it doesn't have like save stations in the way that other Metroid games, you know, later Metroid games would, um, you can still pause your game, save your game, and um, it's a lot easier than inputting a password. Now, granted, if you're playing this game like me on an emulator... Uh, you probably just use save states, so you're probably not really taking advantage of this feature. The save states don't really work, but there actually is some advantages to the in-game save system too. Because like, if you're like, if you're like way deep in like a, in, in a part of the in part of the planet, and you save your game, you'll actually go back to the start of that area, like the elevator to the area, 
which is uh, which is a little bit nicer. It's kind of like a a faster way of back travel, if you will. Um, and I took advantage of that a few times when I was playing. So yes, did you save states? But uh, it doesn't. It does have a save system of its own, which was uh, far less cumbersome than the password gimmick of Nestroid. Um, so which is which is very cool to see. So still kind of like. Still kind of walking that fine line of walking it successfully of being a, you know, a, a nice homage while also having those modern implementations of things that we know that work really well for modern games. Um, so let's talk about the areas in this game because I, I think that this is the most impressive thing to me. So when we talked about Super Duper Metroid, we talked about, um, you know, well, obviously all the rooms and the puzzles and the layout was was different. Um, you know, you were still in Meridia, you were still in Norfair, you were still in Brinstar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that this game that that was kind of my expectation, and I think it probably will be my expectation going forward. But one thing that I was really impressed with with this game is that it just it created like brand new areas essentially. Like every area is is brand new. Um, and there's a few of them that I that I want to run through. And with the areas, you can you can definitely see some kind of uh, you know you can see some kind of inspiration from you know the the NES game a little bit. But I the areas are are much more like I would say Super Metroid esque than they are Nestroid esque. Which I just I was really impressed. And like there's a bunch of really awesome different areas in this game, and, and I guess we should start off with the pirate ship, which is, and we'll talk about the story in a little bit, but just, you start with this pirate ship, and there's all these space pirates everywhere, and you're kind of, you're getting your gear ready, and you could go back and venture into the pirate ship and find all of your, you know, expansions and, and stuff like that, but um, it's a, it's it's kind of like an unsettling feeling, you're like, this, this should be enemy territory, but you know, here I am inside this pirate ship. And you immediately go to the desolate surface, which is your opening area, um, which is a very, like, I, I think that right away, like, the desolate surface is very striking in that you can see, you can see, like, the the ground is not flat. And and that might sound, like, weird or dumb, but, like, in, in Nestroid, everything is either flat or it's vertical and and in this game, there's lots of like really small kind of crevices and like bumps in the road and, and nothing is, is completely flat. Um, and you can see that right away in the desolate surface. And it's got these really winding kind of small tunnels for you to go through. Um, and, and that was my first area when I started in the game. And then I made my way into the underwater caverns, which is, you know, as the name implies, it's, it's the water area. And you are definitely going in this area with... So there's no such thing as a gravity suit in in Metroid Rogue Dawn. Uh, so just be warned. If you're one of those guys that hates going into water without a gravity suit and having, you know, the the, the physics affect you or the gravity affect you, um, get ready for this. Although I actually... I think I said this about Super Duper as well. But the way that this game's movement works, I don't really think that, that being underwater... Is, is too much of a problem or too much of a hassle, really. Um, I actually found that moving around was was quite easy. And to be fair, the the actual area itself, the underground caverns, is quite small. But that's another thing that's worth noting, too, is, like, there was no underwater area at all in, in Nestroid to kind of match those physics. So they did a good job kind of creating their own unique physics that you know, that have, uh, are, are unique to, to this version of the game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and there's a couple other cool areas too. One of the, I think my next place that I went to was like, it was called the Federation Science Ship. And, uh, it was very, this one was really cool. It was, uh, it was kind of like the wrecked ship from Super Metroid, except like it, it was, it was, a wrecked ship, but it, it wasn't necessarily wrecked. Like the power was still on. There was a lot of powerful enemies. This had the most bombastic music of uh, probably any area in the game, and uh, there was like there was a ton of um, God. There was like a ton of like secret hidden tunnels and, and stuff like that. And actually, there's one secret 
passageway in here, which is just bonkers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the uh, the the Federation science ship was like really like there were lots of like blast doors, but a lot of them were powered down. But you could shoot some of them, and you could go through with your morph ball and go to the other side. So like this area in particular, and this game does this a lot actually. But like I felt like this area in particular was very like there's there's a lot of secrets to be had there's a lot of secret twists and turns and lots of devastating enemies in this area too um i want to say there were like i don't think they were side hoppers but they were something akin to side hoppers in this area that were they were pretty serious they did some pretty uh serious damage so this was a very cool area i think that probably the most impressive area to me was a place called the Chozo Jungle. And it was kind of like it sounds. It was the area that I was describing that had the rain. And it was it was just like so... Imp- this is the one that really blew me away, actually. Because not only do you have the rain, but you have like the very, very detailed Chozo statues. You have... Um, you, you just have like all this, this lush green uh, f- like foliage. I don't know if foliage is the right word or not. But like there's lots of like life in here and there's lots of like different enemies and and stuff like that um it was very it was it was just a very very cool area and it was like so there's a lower part of this that's called the chozo ruins and um it certainly lives up to the name it's it's it kind of gives off like the vibe of like you, you know an old chozo temple that just succumbed to uh you know succumbed to time and i was actually trying to think like i think that this area really worked for me because i i was like I don't know, have we been to jungles in Metroid before? I mean, we're kind of in Brio in Metroid Prime 3. That's sort of like a jungle, and I guess you could maybe say that Brinstar is like a jungle, but this was, like, very jungly. Like, there's lots of, like, cool trees, and just, it was, it was very cool. The music was uh, was awesome, which we'll talk about, too, in a second. Um, from there, you go into the Boneyard, which is uh, a pretty, pretty, again, a narrow devastating little uh little area that has lots of secret passages and very confusing physics so actually one thing about the physics of this game there's a lot of areas where you'll fall down and it looks it looks like you're going down to a tunnel somewhere and the game will actually just like pop you back up to the top of a vertical hallway so to to kind of get the gist of what i'm saying if you were to look at a rogue dawn map on the very far left side, there is a, a long vertical hallway on the in the Chozo jungle, and there's an energy tank in there. So if you were to fall to the, uh, the one directly under that, if you were to fall, you'd basically stop. You wouldn't stop at the very bottom, but you would continue on to the top where that energy tank starts. That's probably confusing to hear in, um, you know, in, in voice. But it makes a lot more sense if you could see me going from. It's basically a big loop uh, on the track on the side there. So there's a and there's a lot of that in this game. Uh, I think that some maps of this game have like entry and exit points to them. Um, so there's a there's a lot of that. But yeah, the boneyard was cool. That was kind of like your your area that serves as like the final area before you go into the final. Like it was kind of like the the lower Norfair of the game where it's like, this is the, you know, this is the final place that we have to go to before we can, we can do the final boss. Um, and the last area was called the Metroid hive. And this, holy smokes, this actually gave a lot of Metroid two hive or uh, Metroid two hives, Metroid two vibes. Um, for, 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 you know, obvious reasons, there is a Metroid nest in the, uh, in the, in the ledger stages of that game as well. But just like, you know, like when you go, if you're playing AM2R or Samus Returns or even in the original Metroid 2, and you're kind of in that area, the Metroid Nest, Area 9, and like everything's really tight, and the scenery around you is really creepy, and the music's creepy, and like, it, it was just like, it was such a, it was such a creepy area, and very tense um lots of lots of things coming at you this was i think maybe the best area maybe maybe i'd say the chozo jungle but the metroid hive wasn't far behind this was um this was a final area that like really kind of felt like a like a daunting task like a daunting area it actually like 
it kind of gave me the vibes of like when you are uh, um, like if, when you are playing like Alien Isolation or even if you're watching like the movie Aliens, like when Ripley gets down to the the alien nest and like everything is so intense and you're just waiting for all hell to break loose. It's very, very creepy. It's very visually distinct from everything else going on. Um, just a very, very cool area. And there's like, there's all these like, so it kind of acts as like the game's Torian in a sense. And there's like these little baby Metroids that are shooting spores at you. And they, they're kind of like the Rinkas from Torian. And there's other like little Metroids that are, the, there's just like, there's so much going on. And the ending, which we'll get to in a little bit, is is very cool as well. Um, but the areas, yeah, the areas in this game are are just are very, very, very well done. Particularly the Chozo Jungle and the Metroid Hive. I was just, I, I was so impressed with with how they were, you know, pulled off. And and I do have, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up at the very end of this episode. But I, I was left just thinking like, wow, like what this could be. You know, they they could have done something just absolutely incredible here, um, and, and not attached. The Metroid name to it, so it, it's pretty incredible. Um, I mentioned the map earlier, and one thing I knew I was gonna like this game like immediately, actually, because when I downloaded the ROM, it came complete with a file that had uh, that had the map in it, like the hundred percent map. And I was like, thank God, thank God, because that was my biggest complaint about uh, Super Duper Metroid is that 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 map was all over the place, um, it, and it was very, it was very. Uh, tough to to navigate sometimes um, whereas and, and this game is too to a certain extent but it does help that you have a map that uh you know that you can use as reference and um the map itself is in the actual game so you can just press pause and you can see the actual map if anybody has been listening to me on omega um you know that that's i think that that's like the fatal flaw of of nestroid is that there's just no map um, with a map, that game's pretty good. It's pretty fun. It holds up. Without a map, I think that it can be very frustrating and kind of a slog. And this game, fortunately, does not make that mistake. Um, it comes complete with a map. You are able to see... Uh, you're, you're actually able to see all areas, which is great, because that was an, another one of my complaints about Super Duper Metroid. Whereas this game, I mean, obviously the map is smaller because it is a... Like, the, the game itself, the map space, is smaller. But you are able to see everything. You are able to look anywhere that you want to, um, which is awesome. So there's no actual... Kind of like the last game, there's no there's no indicators on the map itself about where, where some items are, um, particularly expansions. I actually... I do think that there are indicators for where, like, the, uh, like the big expansions are, or the big... Um, not expansions, like the the power-up items, for example, like, there is a place that'll show you where, uh, it won't show you what it is, but it'll show you that there's a dot here, and that means that there is, like, um, that means that there is an item that you're gonna want there, so, like, if it's the high jump boots, if it's the, the screw attack, whatever, it does show you that there is something there, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have, like, any indication of where, like, your missile tanks are, your energy tanks are, etc., etc., um, which again, which is probably fine. I, I think that as long as we know where the big ticket items are, that's probably good enough. It, it would have been cool to see, uh, you know, to see some of those other items, you know, show up on the map. But maybe we're just getting a little bit greedy here too. Um, one thing about the the Metroid Rogue Dawn map as well is that there's it kind of has again. It's kind of like Metroid Two in the sense that like there are areas that you can walk that are not on the map. And you know when you're playing Super Metroid and you find like an area that you're not like or even Metroid Fusion or Zero Fusion or Zero Mission is probably the better indicator. When you find like a like a secret area, the map will be green instead of blue. So, this game, you just like walk off. Like you're just you're walking on nothing. So, if you're if you went to Google a Metroid Rogue Dawn map, you would see the map and you can you can see for example there's like an energy tank that's just kicking it in the middle of the page. It's it's not in any area. It's just in a white blank spot. And it's up to you to kind of find out where that is and how to get there. I So this this can be frustrating. I can see that. But I also do have some kind of like 
nostalgia for that because I remember playing some games on like my OG Game Boy or whatever that like you know you'd, you'd have to like you'd have to like jump up and and kind of get on top of like the screen and you'd walk on top of the level like off screen to like a secret ending so this this I feel like was kind of a nice little uh, homage to that but um, yeah I mean the map overall is really awesome I think that one of the key ingredients for making a good Metroidvania is to have a good map. And I wouldn't say this is the best map I've ever seen, but it certainly does the job better than than no map, um, you know, did the job in Nestroid. So uh, very good to see that. Soundtrack, my God. Speaking about ingredients needed for success in a Metroidvania, this, this game sounds awesome. And it's all original music. Uh, I mean, it just like... It's it's unbelievable, you know. I I said it at the top of the show, but like, it's unbelievable some of the 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 talent that that's out there for for people to create like very very atmospheric Metroidy sounding songs, and especially actually given um, you know Metroid Rogue Dawn, they kept it you know with the with the eight bit style of music, um, which is very very awesome. The, the Chozo Jungle, I feel like the music really stood out to me, which is probably why the area stood out as well. But, you know, like I said, the Metroid Hive is really good. The um, There's actually a, there's a cool remix of Lower Norfare for the Boneyard. And as far as I could tell, and I could be wrong, I think that was the only remix of the bunch. And the rest was, like, uh, just new music. And the remix was new music as well, but, it you know, it just obviously took inspiration from the Lower Norfair song. But, um, yeah, just a, just a really, really, really great soundtrack overall. Like, you know, sometimes you're playing NES games and, like, you know, some, some of those 8-bit songs can kind of be a little bit annoying or, like, too chippy or something like that. I never had that experience playing this game. Um, I would say that maybe the music in, uh, in the Federation Space Vessel is more bombastic than uh, than some of the other music it's not as atmospheric or creepy it's kind of it's it's almost like more of a Mega Man song but again that's not really a bad thing at all because that love that area was really kind of like a Mega Man level so it, it definitely fit um so just yeah really really awesome really really awesome job on the music um and kind of a you know let's let's move on to one of the areas that that I think that this is the area that I saw the biggest critique for Metroid Rogue Dawn. And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily share this critique or not. But let's talk about the story. And one thing that immediately struck me when I was playing is how much this game uses like text to to tell a story. And what I mean by that is like you'll enter a room and you'll just see like a, a message. So for example, it'll say like, um, General Ridley demands that you grab the Metro DNA so that we can use them for weapons or like something like that, right? Or like even something like like um, weapons lab this way or like just just these text box in the background. And I was like, I like that. I, I think that that's a really effective way to tell in-game story on an NES game because like like we said about earlier, like the the background in Nestroid, it's ninety percent just like. A black screen and it's it's space that is while atmospheric it's not really being utilized all that much and um, this game is just like all right well we're gonna utilize that space because it's there and might as well so I, I did kind of like that about the story um, it's also a nice little landmark sometimes as well but the biggest uh, the biggest criticism that I heard about the story was that it is too fan fictiony, whatever that means. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the official synopsis from the developers of the story, and we can kind of go over the story because really, there's not much in the way of like in-game story necessarily. Um, but here we go. So the description is: Metroid Rogue Dawn is an unofficial prequel to the original Metroid game released in 1986. Um, Thirty years later, we bring you the events that unfolded before Samus's famous Zero Mission on Planet Zebus. The original Metroid manual tells us about a deep space research vessel that was attacked. Space Pirate sees a capsule said to contain a previously unknown life form in a state of suspended animation. Rogue Dawn surrounds these events that lead up to the theft of the capsule 
which ultimately placed the Metroids under the control of Ridley and Mother Brain. The mission to acquire the capsule is placed in the hands of one of Ridley's best-kept secrets, a rogue human agent trained and manipulated by Ridley from a young age. Taken as a child from the Galactic Federation colony obliterated by Ridley's faction, she was initially just another test subject slated to undergo horrific experimentations. Ridley decided to instead manipulate and mold her into a weapon, his first human servant and dark agent. Primed yet untested, she is sent out on her own Zero mission. She will retrieve a newly discovered biological specimen in the possession of the Federation research crew orbiting planet SR388 and prove her worth. Her name is Dawn Aran. So there we go. That's the story. Um, so I, you know what? I really, like, I really dig the premise of the story up until they get to the part where it's like the mission to acquire the capsule is placed in the hands of one of Ridley's best kept secrets, a rogue human agent. So I, I feel like I, listen, I mean, like, I, I, I feel like, like my my uh, critiques of these fan-made games, I'm like very generous in a lot of, of different ways because you know obviously I can never do this. Um, but and and I and I think that the critique of like this game sounded like too fan fictiony is like I don't know. I mean like you know like if, if you were just to describe to me the plot of Metroid Fusion where there's this computer that is ordering you around the space station where all these gelatinous aliens are floating around that can mimic anything including you and by the way the robot is actually a former commanding officer of yours that died and has regained his sentience i don't know i might be like that sounds a little too fan fiction-y to me but i mean that's just you know that's just storytelling and and i feel like this is storytelling as well so i really like the idea of doing this this zero mission from you know this this little tidbit in the metroid manual um, you know, I don't know. Could I have done without Dawn Aran as like necessarily that connection to Samus? Yeah, probably. Um, but I like the game doesn't really shove anything down your throat either, which I feel like is fine. So I, I'm okay with that. I, I guess I can like understand why people were, I don't know, not as, not as like taken, taken away with the, the premise of, the actual story of Dawn herself. Um, but I mean, I, like, I guess, so on one hand, like you're, you're obviously going to play as some form of a Samus Sprite. So, I mean, like, how do you explain that? What do you do? And I feel like this is a fine explanation. Um, I would really love to have like Metroid rogue Dawn two, maybe see, you know, maybe see Dawn go up against Samus or something like that. But I actually, I really like the idea too, that, that Ridley was kind of a, a driver of the story in general Ridley, because, you know, we hear, we hear that like Ridley is this general of the space pirates and stuff like that. But like, we never really see him doing any of that. Right. Um, he just kind of shows up and screams and battles and loses and gets killed by Samus and calls it a day. Probably the most general thing that we've seen him do, like the most like strategic military esque thing that we've seen him do is steal the baby Metroid from Sarah's space colony. So I, I, I kind of like that idea. And by the way, the NES sprite of Ridley in here is awesome. Uh, it's way better than whatever the hell they did with uh, with the with the NES Ridley Nestroid sprite because that thing was actually the official artwork for Ridley and Craig was actually pretty badass. But uh, the sprite of Ridley in this is is far and away the the better of the sprites. So yeah, I I think this story is cool. The story is not intrusive, right? It's the same kind of premise as as Nestroid, same kind of premise as Super Metroid, and even even Dread. I I feel like the story is more intrusive in the game itself, where like you don't really like you can follow the story. That's great. You will find the the capsule. You can actually talk to um, some Federation troopers. I, one of the great moments of this game actually is like. After you beat one of the bosses, you you go in and you talk to uh, to a couple Federation uh, survivors, and they're like, "Please don't take our energy tank. We need this to survive." And of course, you immediately take that energy tank. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that the the story is is inoffensive enough. If you don't like it, you certainly don't have to engage with it. 
Um, and I feel like that's fine. It was it was certainly good enough for me. So, let's talk about the items of this game. Um, you start off with a morph ball, which is actually quite nice. And uh, there's, there's all of the standard items that you would expect to see in Metroid Rogue Dawn. Pretty much every... In fact, every single item from Nestroid comes over, but with a few tweaks. So, I was screaming... I was cheering, I had tears of joy when I discovered that in this game, the ice beam and the wave beam stack, which may not seem like a big deal, but I, God, I, God damn, I hate that about Nestroid, that you have to pick your beam, one or the other. I was playing AM2R on stream the other night, and that game does the same thing, and I was also, I was also pumping the tires of AM2R for doing that. Just let me stack my beams, man. Just let me stack my beams. That's all I want to do. And this game allows you to do that, so it's awesome. Um, and one extra item that... Uh, actually, there is a few extra items in this game. Um, one extra item is the Spring Ball, which I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it one more time. The most underrated item in Metroid, the Spring Ball, is... The, the, the movement of the Spring Ball is so fantastic and allows you to move around, particularly in this game, because there's a lot of, like... Those hidden passages and tight corners and stuff like that. Um, and actually, speaking of the spring ball, and I'm pretty sure that this goes for a couple other items in the game, but I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to say 100%. But um, speaking of the spring ball, there is like a couple different locations where you can get the spring ball. One is in the boneyard, and one is like just in this random ass rock in the, in the desolate surface. So I, I, I think that that's kind of cool too. Um, and the map does update to kind of tell you that, like, because, you know, as as I said, um, the map will show you a dot where there is an important item like the spring ball. But if you happen to find it in one of these hidden locations, which is not marked on your map, it'll at least take away the dot so that you're not going to the other area for no reason. I can tell you that from experience because I did go to the other area for no reason, even though it didn't have a dot on it anymore. So there's that. Probably one of the coolest things about this game and its items is you get a new item called the Wall Jump Boots. And this rocks. It's so fun to have this item in this game. Um, and it's it's definitely the Super Metroid Wall Jump. Where like I, I don't actually think I wall jumped properly ever uh, at all in this game. But you get the Wall Jump Boots and suddenly you can just start scaling walls, doing vertical same wall wall jumps. Up and up and up and up. It was, uh, I mean, c combined with the screw attack, this was just a potent, potent attack. Um, I, I thought that this was really cool, and it was like a very welcome and fun addition to the game. So it was, uh, it was very cool. I, you know, another really cool. It, it's not even a, uh, it's not even an item, but just another way that you can fire is when you're playing the game, you can fire your beams as as regular. But you can also hold down, uh, on my controller was the Y button. I was playing on an Xbox controller. So you can hold down the Y button and you'll kind of have like a rapid fire where, where Dawn will stand in, you know, basically still. And her beams will come out rapid fire and it'll stun enemies. And you can basically just like, you know, boom, right there, they're done. Uh, it's It's really awesome. I think the shots themselves are a little bit weaker, but... If you can get the enemy to, to be completely stunned, it's a really great addition to uh, to the game. It's something that probably uh, could have even been included in um, you know the original Nestroid. It's, it's a really great great idea to have. So items are really solid. They're hidden really well. Um, no complaints there. The enemies and bosses of this game. So originally, I I assumed based on my experience playing Super Duper Metroid. Um, I assumed that all of the enemies were were basically going to be sprites that were just repurposed Nestroid enemies. And I was wrong. There are, I mean, there definitely are some Nestroid enemies there. But there are a ton, a ton of original sprites and original enemies in this game. I would go so far as to say it's like a 50-50 split. Which I feel like is, is very, very impressive for for a ROM hack um, I, so that, that really blew me away with how 
diverse the enemies were. And that's a strength of Nestroid too, is like how diverse it were. So they, they, they really could have just brought in all those different enemies and kind of did what Super Duper and a lot of other ROM hacks, I assume, do which is kind of like retool where those enemies spawn and, and make them a little bit fresh that way. They could have done that easily and it would have totally been fine. But no, there's there's a lot of original enemies in this game, which is very cool, um, including these little like Kraid-esque creatures in the Chozo jungle that kind of, they act like Kraid, they look like Kraid, they fire the little spikes and stuff like that. And they're hiding the various suit from you. So those ones stuck out to me. Um, the bosses in this game are uh, are definitely tough. Um, the, the boss in the Federation ship probably killed me like a million times. And I was, so I was trying to play this game straight, right? Like I was, I was like, all right, I'm going to play it the way that it's intended. I don't want to try and use safe states cause I, you know, I'm just trying to be a little bit of a purist, but after like the 45th death, I was like, no, I'm using a safe state. Like right before this boss, I'm going in. So there's kind of like, so there's, there's four main bosses, um, Two of them kind of act in the same manner as Ridley and as uh, Kraid in that they're, you need to defeat the two of them to gain access to like the last part of, uh, of, of the Boneyard before you can get into the Metroid Hive. And one of them is like this machine-esque like pogo stick looking guy. He's pretty gruesome. Um, the other one is like this just kind of gruesome monster. Um, I actually I found success with both of them using my bombs to to overcome them. Um, kind of like I that's my strategy when I fight uh, when I fight Kraid as well. And Nestroid is just to bomb the guy because I just I think he's like I think he's very very hard to to fight against. Um, but that's what I did with uh, that's what I did with the first two bosses, and it was. It's pretty successful, I would say, um, but definitely like you can see the similarities to Kraid and Ridley in the way that they fight, but the sprites are completely different. Um, setting is obviously completely different, so that was pretty cool. Um, there is a boss, but I, I'm actually kind of blanking on what this guy what this guy does. But there's a boss right before, or right at the end of the boneyard, rather. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember what this guy does. He must have not been that memorable, but I, I'm pretty sure that I beat him with the boss or with the with the bombs as well. Um, but he's he's kind of like I know this. He the boss itself is in a room that has like electric floors, and and that's kind of a pain in the ass. But the actual boss itself, uh, yeah, I don't know. Now that I'm here recording on the hot seat, I uh, I can't remember what this guy looks like. But the final boss, holy! Actually, before we get to the final boss. I want to point out, since we are talking about bosses and enemies, I do want to point out. So I was mentioning earlier that the uh, that the uh, uh, space pirates—that's what I'm looking for—the space pirates show up, and that was very cool. And they're they're kind of like a derez Super Metroid spike. But one thing that I absolutely popped off for was our boy Shack Tool showing up as like as a derez Super Metroid spike. Right. Um, so, for anybody that does not remember who Shack Tool is, he is the creature in Meridia for Super Metroid that uh, will basically dig the dirt away for you to go and get the Spring Ball. And so, this guy shows up in this bonkers bonus level, which we'll talk about in a second. And and I was just like, this is awesome. Um, but let's get to that final era. So, I was talking about the I was talking about the Metroid Nest or the Metroid Hive earlier. And how crazy it was. So first of all, you know when you go into Nestroid and you go into Torian, there's probably, I think there's about six Metroids in the first room. There's six Metroids in the second room. There's, it keeps on going like that. So probably in total, you probably have faced like 25 to 30 Metroids by the time that you get to Mother Brain. The Metroid Hive, you face like 30 Metroids in the first room. It's bonkers. And as the name implies, they keep on respawning which is very alien-like, it's very creepy, and you can see, like, these sacks on the wall where they come out of, it's, like, it's, it's very, it's, it's, in, it's intense, it's an intense, uh, area to be in, so, there's an insane amount of Metroids, and you very, and it's, the area is way bigger than Torian also, so it takes you way longer to get to the end, so you're going through, and you're fighting all these Metroids, and you finally get to 
the final room. And the final room is set up. It's a very cool twist on the mother brain fight because there are, I mentioned earlier, there was little baby Metroids that are in the background and they're shooting like little bullets at you. And, and those kind of act like the Rinkas in, in a way. But you've also got regular Metroids flying at you from these sacks in the wall. So you can either freeze them or you can, yeah, I don't know, eliminate them. But another one will just come. So you've got all of the, you've got Metroids, you've got bullets coming at you. And there's a, there's a version of a Zebatite that it, it actually really threw me off guard at first because it, it looks kind of like another just wall. And I was like, where the hell do I go? But there's a version of a Zebatite that you got to quickly blast through. And you do this a couple times as you do in the Mother Brain fight. But in this one, so you're avoiding the Metroids, you're avoiding the bullets, you're you're getting the, the Metroid-esque Zebatites out of the way. And you get to this rocking, like, giant... Metroid. And, and so, you know how Metroid 2 has shown us the evolution of the Metroids and stuff like that? And and we know we know what that looks like, and we know that uh, you know you eventually you evolve into a queen Metroid, whatever, whatever. This, dude, this, you get to the final Metroid, and it's just like imagine Mother Brain's tank, but it's just like a big it's just like it's just like a big Metroid. It's it's very very cool. Uh, I'll attach a picture of this final boss to um, to to the post here. But like, it was so oh man, it was so unreal. Like seeing this this gruesome big Metroid, and you have to you have to go and like uh, you you fight it actually in the pretty much the same way that you fight Mother Brain, where like you have to damage the the outside core of it. And then you can shoot the inside, uh, kind of like where like the the guts are in like a regular Metroid or like the the couple like little the nebulous I don't know I guess if you want to call it that. So you you pump it full of missiles and eventually uh, the Metroid will fall and the the game will will get you into its escape sequence. But this was such a cool like fight. It was so it was challenging. It was damn challenging for sure. Um, but it yeah it was just like it was very it was very atmospheric. The Metroid sprite itself looked very creepy. And by the way, actually, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, but there's like Metroid art hidden in this world everywhere. Um, so like sprites or rocks or something that are that are set up to look like Metroids. I'll try and attach as many pictures of this as I can. But it's it's just like it's super cool looking. Um, yeah, it, this this fight was so awesome. And then. We have the escape sequence, which I would say is like, it's like a top five Metroid escape sequence that I've ever been a part of. It was very cool. So like, basically, the Federation has landed. So you got to hightail it out of the planet before time arrives. And in the, in the Nestroid escape sequence, it's pretty like, pretty pedestrian. You don't have to try very hard to make it out of there. This one, man, they're just like, you better run your ass off to get off this planet before the Federation comes and finds you. Um, there's all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of like small tunnels, stuff like that. I was like on the brink of death. Um, so it, there's enemies that you have to contend with as well. You don't have anything like a hyper beam or anything like that. You're just, you're barely hanging on. Uh, so it was an awesome, awesome escape sequence. It, and it, you know how like, you, like an average experience can be really boosted by a good ending. I wouldn't say this is an average experience at all, but it was a really, I was having a lot of fun. And then the ending to me just like put it over the top. I thought the ending was so good. And the escape sequence was so good. Um, so yeah, just uh, the, the bosses and the, uh, the the actual bosses themselves were a little bit forgettable. As you can tell because I forgot the one boss. But the the final one just stuck with me in a, in a major way. It was very cool. Um Let's talk about some extras that are in this game because there's a lot of like really weird Easter eggs that are, I, I don't know, I don't know how else to describe them. Easter eggs, I guess. So there's an area where you can go and like you roll off to the to the left of the screen. I think it's in the space pirate ship. You roll off. There's just like a word search. It's just a word search. It's just there. And it's it shows you what words are hidden. And like you can, there's no way for you to actually like you know, right on the screen, obviously, or anything like that. But you can do that if you want. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of fun. 
Um, there's the shy guy area, which is kind of fun with Shaq Tool. Uh, and he shows up and and you do your thing with Shy Guy. And once you beat Shaq Tool, you get an expansion, which is cool. But the most bonkers thing, and I shared a picture of this in the uh, in the patron chat, which I think some some of us were just like, what the hell is going on? There's like a full-on like Super Mario Bros. level hidden in this game in, in the uh, the Federation spaceship. And this level's hard, man. This level is like really hard. Um, there's bullet bills flying at you everywhere. There's, uh, there's, it's actually, it's kind of fun. Cause like, you know, in Mario, if, if you fall and you miss a jump, you just, you fall and you die. Um, so this one, if you fall in between where there's no ground or whatever, you don't die, but you take damage as if you were standing in lava, which I thought was, was a really nice touch. Um, so yeah, there actually, and there is a purpose to this too, cause there's an energy tank hidden in this super Mario land world, but it was, it was so bizarre and so weird and like. Just kind of shows you the uh, you, you know the good things that you can do with a ROM hack like this, where you can be a little bit silly, you can be a little bit uh, adventurous. So I, I thought that it was really cool. Um, New game plus will give you a dark power suit, which looks badass. You you look like Dark Samus actually. It looks very very cool. Um, so yeah, overall, to wrap things up, uh, this this was like a really I, I thought that I knew what to expect after playing Super Duper Metroid, and this kind of reset my expectations once again. I was very, very impressed. I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but like I'm, I'm thinking of the guys that made this game, like Grimlock and Optimon, Snarf Blam, um, and I'm like, these guys could have like easily released this game as a, like as a video game for profit, for sale. If they would have tweaked... Like, and got rid of the, the Metroid references, which I, I don't think would have been, like, that hard. You could have released this game and sold it. And the the fact that, like... I, and I think it's good enough that people would have bought it. People would have responded to it. And I think it probably could have made them some money. And the fact that they just made this for free and put it out there for free for people that love Metroid to play is... To me, it's just, it's just like, so impressive it's so impressive that uh, that these guys did this. I think that this was really, really, really strong, um, which is great because I I didn't I wasn't doing the series expecting to praise every single game. I was going to be easy on the games because of course you know it, it's a fan project and it's a labor of love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I didn't expect these games to have the, the high quality that they do. And granted, I did pick two of the games that I I had heard you know were were kind of the pinnacle of metroid rom hacks but uh still i just i was i was super super impressed with this game um ended up with a final time of three hours 55 minutes 49 seconds with 65 percent item completion it's not too bad um and actually that's pretty consistent with the the stats that metroid construction gives for this game i actually uh did it almost exactly. Metroid Construction says that the average time is about 325, and the average collection is 66%. So I did worse than both, but hey, not that much worse. Um, definitely go out of your way to check this out. I was I was really, really impressed. I thought that they did like a really, really great job with this. Um, and again, just, you know, this, this could have been a, a full-on Metroid game, or just like a full-on video game if they would have chosen to. And the fact that it's a, a fan-made Metroid game, I think, is, like, just, again, so, 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 so impressive. So, um, given this one, very high recommendation, very high marks. Go and check it out. And, uh, yeah, let me know if you play it, if you like it, if you... Uh, and, actually, let me know if you have any recommendations for the next ROM Hack review. I have a couple games picked out, but I'm always willing to, um, you know, to, to juggle the lineup a bit. Um, and I think that the next one that I picked is very different than one that we've done so far. So I'm excited for that one. But um, that is going to do it for this episode of ROM Hack Reviews. Um, just want to extend a big thank you to everyone once again for uh, for checking us out on Patreon. It really means a lot to me um, that you guys are here and listening to this and, uh, and digging what we're doing. So uh, I hope that you dug this episode. Um, I really dug this game. Again, can't recommend it enough. 
I'd love to see if you guys want to play it and, and let me know some of your thoughts and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, keep, uh, you know, if you got a recommendation for a ROM hack, let me know. I was thinking maybe even, you know, I know the series is called Metroid ROM Hack Reviews, but maybe a couple months down the line, we'll slip a Zelda ROM hack in there too. You never know. Maybe just to spice things up a little bit. But that is in the future. Um, that will do it for episode two of ROM Hack Reviews, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you next mission. Take care.